I got two great victories. Well, I'm sure years. you do. I snuck a puppy in. <laughs> I did not you, see you that zagged coming. on that one. That I was had, unexpected. I had a dog. I had a baby dog. I had to bring him in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. Uh, my name is Justin Pardee. This uh, is... Oh, I'm Stephanie Keen. Yep, exactly. We are you, hanging did you forget here. who you are? The video well, he looked at me weird like... Well, she we're, she's uh, going as Dolores today because you got that got double like scarf, scarf action. Yeah. Little old lady cardigan. Something's wrong with you. You're frozen today. I'm cold. You guys are in t-shirts. Yeah, the Debrief live today from Big Bear, California. <laughs> exactly. Got my earmuffs on. We got Pastor Matt here in the corner. You feeling good? Yeah, PMB. I believe it's like... 80 degrees. Yeah, it feels actually yeah. really great in here. I'm drinking iced coffee at this moment. I, I should have ordered iced coffee. I, I was going to ask you. But you know that's actually really bad for your voice. Oh. Cold Oops. beverages? Yeah, cold beverages because what you want is blood flow and cold water constricts blood flow to mm. your vocal cords. Well, I just wrapped a scarf around my neck, so mm-hmm. hopefully that helps. Yeah, let me tighten that for you. Good thing is I'm only going to be asking questions in short bursts. Bursts? Burps. Yeah. So burps. it's good for you to be drinking that. Are you a professional communicator? <sighs> Amateur, working my way up. <laughs> A couple stand, weeks ago, Stephanie called me Master Pat from the stage. She said, in a few seconds, all Master us. Pat will be out. I also heard that a couple weeks ago when I was home with strep throat, Stephanie was uh, hosting for me at the Hunter Park location for the weekend and then maybe missed a missed a little moment, too. I did. Throw, I did. Sorry, right. I'm throwing you under the bus. Came There's- backstage during a song, thought, cool, we're done. That was great. And then looked up and went, oh, they're pausing weird at the end of that song. Oh, because I'm supposed to be there. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah. thankfully, Melody Workman came in, saved me. Clutch. Yep. Carlos Whitaker wrote a book called The Moment Maker. Mm, it will mo- soon be followed by Stephanie Keene's Moment Misser. Mm, or the, the Moment Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is oh. awesome. Well, like hey, moment this, Mister is, better. This, this is the debrief uh, where every week Pastor Matt Brown brings real answers to your tough questions from the Bible. And we have been getting so many questions lately that we are going all off topic today. So Whoa. we're not even debriefing your sermon. We're just going straight with off topic questions. I don't know how I feel about that. I work really hard on my sermons. <laughs> well, we, we'll get back to your sermons, but right now we're going to focus on answering the questions of the people. Before we get into that, we speaking of the people, we want to say thank you to those of you guys who are supporting us by subscribing to our new YouTube channel. That is super helpful for us as we have just got that launch. We're getting that up and ready. Maybe some of you right now are watching us on YouTube. If you are, what's up? We're so glad you have you hanging out with us here. We're if so you're still glad on audio, you're here. Oh, that's a good sandal search line. All right, Pastor Matt, you ready to get into this? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just stumble over your words? Let me have an ice beverage, cool down my vocal cords, and and light this microphone up. Pastor Matt, are you ready to jump into some tough questions from the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go for it. Steph, okay, take it away. Starting off, you actually got to speak at Chapel at CBU last week. We saw some posts on your Instagram, and I heard you talked about sex, which I hear like you're kind of known for. Like, oh yeah, when Pastor Matt comes to CBU, he talks about sex. Um, can you kind of give us what was By the your... way, for people who do not know what CBU is, oh, like our friends uh, in Texas and all around the world. Yeah. California Baptist University. It's a school here in Riverside. Pastor a, Matt is actually yeah, an a alum. a large Christian college in Riverside. That's a very large Christian college. Um, it's a university, actually. Sorry. Yeah. It was a college when I went there. I couldn't get into a university. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we heard you're, you've kind of got a reputation for being the pastor who always comes and talks about sex at CBU. So what was your big takeaway this time around? Yeah, um, well, I didn't pick the topic this time. They actually, I think they couldn't find another sucker to talk about it. So they were like, <laughs> let's get this guy. Yeah, so the, the topic was uh, a real conversation about sexual boundaries while dating. And so um, just the focus was on, you know, where's the line? How far is too far? Kind of those things. And we looked at a really controversial passage in Second Samuel that most Christians have never heard about. So it's a story of uh, Amnon and his half-sister Tamra. So... Um, really, really tragic story where the desires get the best of Amnon, which sexual desires often do. And so the question is really, you know, where's the line? Uh, and really started with the, the question, is there a line? Because, you know, uh, California Baptist University is a Christian university, but not every student that goes there. I think they have like 8,500 students. It's a pretty mm-hmm. big school. Uh, not every student. Matter of fact, I think more than half of them are not Christians. Oh. So most of them don't have a line. And so the question is, you know, who, do, who draws a line? You know, is there a line? Um, you know, is the line kind of gray? What is it? And so we look at the three characters in that story and, and talked about um, there, there clearly is a line and that human beings need somebody else to draw the line because we draw sexual lines with our desires. God draws sexual lines with love. And hmm. so it's just completely different. So that was kind of the outline and um, hopefully it uh, blessed some individuals and, um, you know, maybe they'll have me back. Exactly. Maybe we'll be getting some questions, follow-up questions from those CBU students. Oh yeah, coming up, cool. 
coming up over the next couple episodes. Okay, so we've got another one. This question came in from Alex on Facebook, where you can find us there at The Debrief Show. Just go to Facebook, search The Debrief, and if you want to get a question on, just send us a message. So Alex says, hey guys, I have a two-part question about the Holy Spirit. First of all, does the Holy Spirit dwell within everyone, including non-believers, and is only revealed or unlocked when they give their heart to God? And then are our souls actually the Holy Spirit living within us, and when we die, it leaves to be with God? Yeah, so let's test that, tackle that question. The first part of the question, is the Holy Spirit already in all human beings, and is it unlocked uh, when we become born-again Christians? No, the Holy Spirit is the unique, intimate relationship that God shares with those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and are a part of his church. God loves the world, but God has a unique love and a unique relationship with his children. And the way we know that we are his children is Galatians says that we have the spirit of God that is inside us that cries out, Abba, Father. So it is the Holy Spirit inside of us that um, uh, agrees that we have this unique relationship with God and in fact, lets us know that we have this relationship with God. And so, no, people people do not have the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, they are devoid of God's spirit in them and they do not have that. Um, so it's something that is unique to born-again Christians who have repented of their sins. So here, here's how uh, the Gospel of Luke acts, and we just finished that series, and so that's why I'm going to go to that. The formula for how to receive the Holy Spirit is to repent of your sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. who comes in the life of every single believer. Um, now, Christians don't agree, all Christians don't agree on what that manifestation looks like, Um you know, some call for a secondary, secondary baptism in the Holy Spirit. At Sandals Church, we teach and believe, as do most Christian churches, that the Holy Spirit resides in you from the moment of conversion. Now, you may have secondary or third or fourth or fifth encounters or experiences with the Holy Spirit, which is great. You know, my wife and I are married. We've been married for 21 years, but hopefully we're not done with all of our experiences and our encounters and moments where we get to know each other and love each other and experience each other. You know, we're going to continue to have those. And the same is with the Holy Spirit you're going to continue to have these moments where these intense, powerful moments, but that's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just your awareness mm-hmm. or the Holy Spirit's movement on your life in a specific area. So that was the first part of the question. His second part Can of the I question. Can I ask a quick yeah. question? Last week or last episode, episode 51, we were talking about your sermon from being real with God and talked about the thing that a lot of Christians miss about God is that he's relational. Is the Holy Spirit like the means by which God is relating with us? It's, it's the personal nature of God. So, when we look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14, this was probably one of the most important texts in understanding the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, because it's not just not the, doc- the doctrine of the Trinity. It's not just understanding you know, the right thinking about who God is, but it's how does God operate within that context. And so um, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all equally God. And so that is the nature of who God is. However, there's a thing called the economy of God. And if that sounds like a big word, it, it is. So the economy of God is how does God work? So the Father is the Father, and He does what He does. The Son is the Son, does what He does, and the Spirit is the Spirit, and He does what He does. All three persons within the one God. And so the economy of God is that the Father submits to the Son, and the Son sends the Spirit. Hmm. And so sometimes it can get a little confusing, because sometimes it will say the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But but pragmatically speaking, it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the intimacy with God. So the way that we have an intimate relational experience is not necessarily with Jesus. We have faith in Jesus, but Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That is where he is. He's in heaven. The Holy Spirit is here with us and is manifest in the lives of his believers and is at work in the world, convicting the world of sin and and convincing the world to place faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that's what the Holy Spirit is doing here and now. So uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that's the prayer. So that's how we start a relationship with God, is the grace of the Lord Jesus. There's no relationship with God apart from grace and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the love of God the Father, okay? May the love of God, and it doesn't say God the Father, but it's insinuated because he's not the Son. May the love of God the Father, and think about how important that is with everybody who doesn't have dads, they don't have parents, they don't have a good example of men in their life. Let God be that that loving male figure in your life. And, and we all need that, whether we're men or women. We need that positive, loving, encouraging, strong male figure in our life. And that is God the Father. He is the perfect Father. Um, and then may the, the fellowship. So think about that word, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So it indicates in that one verse, how do we have a relationship with God? It's through faith in Jesus Christ, but it is through the fellowship of 
the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's famous book, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, mm-hmm. right? You have this gathering of these individuals who come together, uh, in, you know, in, in arms and in, in love and, and literally giving their lives for one another. That's what fellowship means. We come together to make this happen. And so the Holy Spirit is what joins us. He speaks to us. He actually prays for us when we don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit prays for us. He intercedes uh, you know, in our prayer life, and and Jesus intercedes for us on behalf of the Father. So it's it's a really unique relationship how God works together, and every person of God has a specific relationship not only to each other but to us and how mm-hmm. they work with us. And so that's it's, it's a great great question. And so that's why understanding who God is so important for understanding your your relationship. Now let me say this: some people are always get worried, and probably a follow up question will be, well, how do we pray? Well, Jesus said, "Pray our Father who is in heaven." But the bottom line is you can pray to Jesus, you can pray to the Holy Spirit, you can pray to God, your Father. It's, it's God. Mm-hmm. So um, the question is, you know, wh- what, are you, what do you want to see happen and, and how does that work? And so Paul prays at the end, may God's love be with you, may the grace of Jesus Christ be with you and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want in our community groups, in our lives, and in our church. We want the presence of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Awesome. Okay, so that last and second part of Alex's question was, are our souls actually the Holy Spirit living within us and when we die, it leaves to be with God. Yeah, so no, mm-hmm. um, you have your own soul or spirit. And the Bible divides these two. And in, re- in reality, I think they're talking about the same thing. Your soul, your spirit, that eternal part that is within you that was meant to live forever. And so by eternal, I don't mean that it existed before, but it will exist forever. So um, your, your spirit came into being from the moment that you were born. God breathes the breath of life into us. And so we have our spirit in us that God gives um, so as human beings, you know, we have a physical body that lives and dies, but we have a spirit that will live forever. And m- my understanding of scripture is your spirit will live forever, either with God or apart from God. There are some Christian denominations that believe that uh, people will not exist in hell forever, but that God will annihilate them or destroy their souls. Um, I don't see that in the text. I, I What I see in the Bible uh, very clearly in the book of Revelations is that we will be thrown into the lake of fire forever for those who are not in Christ. And um, it, it says the second death, but it doesn't mean death. Death in the Bible means separation. So when you die, um, you're, you don't cease to exist. Your soul is separated from your body. The second death that the book of Revelation talks about is your soul being separated from God forever. And that's the worst death. That's the most horrendous thing that can happen. So our souls um, are that part of us that will live forever. Our, the bodies that we're in will die. We will get a new body um, and, and it will be redeemed. And our soul, our spirit will inhabit that new body. So, uh, but it's separate from the Holy Spirit. That Sounds was his good. question, right? Are they the same? Yep. Yeah, exactly. they're not the same. Got it. So this next question comes from Raquel. She sent this in on Facebook and, and she says, I recently took a self-assessment assessment test for one of my classes. And one of the questions asked what my religious affiliation was. Some of the answers were Protestant, other Bible-based organization, Latter-day Saint, and so on. I wasn't sure how to answer this because I thought Christianity was just one type of religion, but it seems there are so many different Christian categories. Which category do we fall under? Yeah, so welcome to reality. You know, the Christian church is not as Jesus prayed. He prayed that we would be one as the Father and Him are one in heaven, and and that's just not happened. That's his big prayer in John 17, I think? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. We call the Lord's Prayer the Lord's Prayer, but that's really His teaching us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is actually Him praying for us that we would be one as He and the Father are one. And so... Um, it's kind of unfortunate that it's bis- been misnamed because a lot of people don't know the actual prayer that Jesus prayed for us. So he prayed for unity and we are, of course, you know, not unified in any sense, which is why, you know, many of the books in the New Testament are written because the church has a hard time getting along because right. we're broken. So basically, you know, you have uh, great, I think in most senses, well-being, you know, well-meaning people trying to uh, figure out what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to practice um, their faith according to the scriptures. But the reality is people see things differently and they don't agree. Um, so what I would say is Sandals Church is first and foremost a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Christians, Sandals is a Protestant church. So, And what that means is we are not a Catholic church. So uh, the Protestant movement comes out of Catholicism where you have Catholic priests protesting, that's where the word comes from, protesting some of the things that they thought were wrong within the Catholic Church, some of the abuses that were taking place. And so the Catholic Church had become very political, very powerful. And that doesn't mean it was all bad because the Protestant uh, priests that came out of that were in the system, but they were just saying, hey, this is not okay. And so they actually started off trying to reform um, the church and that didn't work. It caused a split. 
um, that many hoped would only be temporary, but eventually um, it, it just the, the gaps just became too big. And then once you open that Pandora's box, you know, it just it just keeps going. And so, for example, I'm Baptist. Uh, there are over 240 different denominations of Baptist. But we don't require at Sandals Church that you call yourself Baptist. I would call yourself a Christian. I think first and foremost, your loyalty is to, is to Christ. If you left Sandals Church, I would not encourage you to go to a Baptist church. I would encourage you to go to a Bible-believing Christian church. And those are multifaceted and have all kinds of different names. You know, Calvary Chapel that would fall under that category, Assemblies of God, you know. And again, even within that, you got to make sure that, you know, you don't just fall for the label, but what's actually being taught within the church. Because just because they have the right label doesn't mean that. But, you know, and before that, the church was divided in the 11th century between the Greek Orthodox Church or the Orthodox Churches and the Catholic Church. And they had some disagreements on uh, the Roman papacy, which just is who's in charge of the church. And so traditionally, Orthodox believe that the Bishop of Constantinople was in charge, um, which is not called Constantinople anymore. It is called... Istanbul. Istanbul. So that is where it is. So that's a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of Turks don't know that, that Turkey was not a Muslim country, but was the capital of Christianity for a thousand years years. Mm. Um, and it's really, really sad that they don't realize that. Um, but they were actually invaded and conquered. And, um, you know, most Turks and people from that region converted to Islam um, because it was better to <laughs> yeah. be alive than to die. And so, um, and that wasn't in every situation, but it was a pretty, pretty ugly time. So um, there's been multiple splits at multiple times. And, and really that first split was about political power. So who's in charge? Uh, the Church of Rome, which is what the Catholic is, the Roman Catholic Church. They thought that the the church in Rome should be in charge. And historically speaking, um, all of the councils and the theological uh, discourse and ideas, you know, those came first from Jerusalem in Acts 15, and then ultimately it moves to Antioch, which is where some of the decisions take place. And then eventually it moves its way a little further up north to Constantinople with um, the Emperor Constantine moving the capital of Rome from Rome to Constantinople, which ultimately split the Roman Empire in two, which unfortunately affected the church and split us in two. So that was a lot of history there. But <laughs> one uh, other one other term I hear a lot, especially like even in the media or the news, you hear the term evangelical thrown around. Right. Is that synonymous with Protestant? Yeah. So evangelical is it comes from the word to evangelize, which means to share the gospel. So Sandals Church is an evangelical church. So what that means is we believe that there's salvation in no one else other than Jesus. So a, a person cannot be saved, whether they're Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, Catholic, or even Christian, unless they have repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so what we want is people to have a personal relationship with God, and we want them to have personally done that. So, um, you know, maybe if you if you grew up Catholic, you call yourself Catholic because your parents are Catholic. Well, the reality is that's not what Catholics teach. You need to be confirmed and go through that process and make sure that it's something that you want in a relationship that you want. Yeah. And certainly those people can be Christians. And, you know, I, I know a lot of Catholics that love and appreciate Jesus, and that's great. Um, but you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But evangelicals, we are insistent upon the fact that you must repent of your sins and be saved. And so we share this gospel. We are, we are evangelicals. We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. So it's not like a historical book that you know, should be studied in maybe English class or history class, but it's actually our religious sacred text and it is inspired by God. So we believe that evangelicals believe in the literal virgin birth of Jesus. So Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. We believe in, you know, that Jesus Christ is literally the son of God. That's who he is. It's not figurative, that he really died, that he really uh, was in the tomb for three days and he literally rose from the dead. It wasn't his spirit. It wasn't his ghost. His body rose from the dead. And we believe in the imminent return of the physical return of Jesus Christ. So that's what evangelicals uh, are ascribed to. And and the reason we call ourselves that or have come up with that thing is because a lot of Christian churches in America have shifted. And so what once they once believed, they no longer believe. Um, so we talked about immigration uh, on our mm-hmm. last episode and what we're supposed to do with that. And uh, Stephanie and I were actually in India together last summer. Remember we met that 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 shorter girl and she was practicing yoga and doing mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, she wasn't supposed to be in India. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah so she that. actually went on a missionary trip to Scotland and you know, all the news about us turning around Muslims from those countries or whatever. She got turned around as a Christian in Scotland hmm. um, because she's an evangelical and she was there to share her faith. Wow. So mm-hmm. she's raised all this money. Her team raises, the whole team was sent back. You are not allowed in to Great Britain. You wow. got to go back. And so the missionary agency that we work with scrambled 
And, you know, you got all these kids, they've dedicated their whole summer and so they could get them into India. And so literally their summer was supposed to be in Scotland, um, but Scotland's changed. It used to be Mm -hmm. a Presbyterian country that was passionate about Jesus and really it shifted. And the church has kind of slipped in terms of what they believe and their stances on issues. And they're no longer really a biblically based country society or in most cases, even a church. Now, some Presbyterians are still holding fast to the truths that they've held to, but those are far and few between. Most Presbyterian churches are slipping into a more modern perspective of the church. Uh, They would use the language of inclusive, but what that usually means when you say we're being inclusive is you're being exclusive to, or you're excluding, excuse me, what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so at Sandals Church, you know, people ask us, you know, um, with in terms of of, of the gay issue, they say, uh, are you an open and affirming church? And so what I say is we're open, we're open to everyone, but we're not affirming mm-hmm. because you know we're all sinners. We all need to uh, be saved and repent of our sins, and um, that's one of those issues. You know, where hey, we welcome everybody just as they are, but we're not going to affirm that lifestyle because the scripture doesn't. Um, just like we don't affirm divorce, we don't affirm um, you know drug addiction, we don't affirm anger, we don't affirm a lot of the things that we believe the scriptures teaches that um, you know we can't that are sins for us and and, and alienates us from our relationship with God. So. Um, and that's difficult for some people, but again, that's what it means to be traditionally an evangelical church. And that word is actually used oftentimes in the media as a negative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not everybody loves what Sandals Church is about. Um, and that's okay mm-hmm. because we're not called to be what everybody says we're supposed to be about. We're called to be about what Jesus said we're supposed to be about. So, All right. Andrea wrote in, she sent in a question on our website at debrief.show and she asked, what does the Bible say about who can baptize? Jesus gave us the great commission. So is it okay for any believer to baptize someone? Yeah. And so that really comes down to whatever church that is that you attend. Um, Different churches have different stances on that. Some churches believe like the church that I grew up in, only the pastor baptized. Um, That's just the way that it was. I certainly don't think that you need to do that. The apostle Paul makes a point in Corinthians that he doesn't remember baptizing anybody. And then he goes, oh yeah, wait a minute. And then he says, except this guy, that guy, that guy. Um, But he says, other than that, I was not there to baptize you there. You weren't there to baptize in my name. You were to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so it's all about Jesus. So here's what I would say is, don't go get baptized by your friend out on your own. Baptism is a ceremony that needs to take place in church, within a church context. Certainly there is the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, but there was no church available. He's on his way back to Ethiopia you know, um, the Holy Spirit brought um, Philip there, you know, for that moment. And, you know, that was that was his act of contrition and repentance. And he said, hey, let's do it right now. And so he did that. So I would say that baptism, you know, is something that you should do on your own, just like I think weddings are something that you should do in front of people. You know, baptism is the same thing. So you should get married with your family present if possible. And with baptism, you should get baptized with your spiritual family present if possible. If mm-hmm. not, get baptized you know, but try to do it in front of your spiritual family. And I would do it in submission to whatever local church that you go to. So if you're at Sandals Church, don't get baptized in another church. That's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that to me, that's like getting married, you know, with a family that's not your own. I mean, include your spiritual family, let them be invited into that process because baptism is one of two things. One, it's the identification, the public identification with Jesus. So a lot of people, you know, talk about, well, you got to come forward at church and, and that's your proclamation of your faith in Christ. Historically speaking, that's baptism. So the altar call, you know, where we call people forward, that's kind of a modern twist, but what it really is, is being baptized. And so, um, so you want to be baptized publicly. Um, and then next you want to be baptized by whatever your church leadership does. So here at Sandals Church, we allow ministers to do baptism, but we also allow people who are trained. And we really, really love people that were, um, intricate in leading you to Christ to be involved. I think mm-hmm. that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they shared in the labor of seeing you get saved. I think they should be able to share in the rejoicing of watching you publicly proclaim your faith in Christ. And I think it's a very, very powerful thing. And um, I'm grateful to those people who get to do that. Um, you know, I don't get to baptize that often anymore. Um, you know, I think this year I might do one. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just people that I've been intimately involved with in terms of sharing, you know, their their their, their faith in Christ with. So. One of my most favorite baptisms I was able to participate in recently was on Easter. I think it was two years ago, maybe 2014 or 13, but we actually got to do it in service in in the auditorium. We had brought in the, mm-hmm. the baptismal area, the pool to be able to do that in. And what's interesting about that one was 
I was doing the kind of the officiating, you know, I was saying the things, talking to uh, her, asking her those questions about what she believes in Jesus. But um, her friend who, they're both moms at the preschool my kids go to, her friend was actually the one who physically baptized her in that particular process. And that was a cool one. And and for me, what was interesting as he talked about family, you know, her physical spirit, you know, her physical family was not really present in that Mm -hmm. because they're not all believers, but her spiritual family was able to be a part of that moment. And now, you know, whenever she pops up in my Facebook feed, or I see her at that preschool, like I just pray for her. You know, I feel like she's a little sister of mine, you know, that I care about and her success and all those things. So I love what you said about inviting your spiritual family into it. That has had a real big impact on me. Yeah, I think you should invite your physical family because I think they need to be a part of that. But if they say no, you still need to do it in front of your spiritual family Mm -hmm. because so it's, I'd say baptism is two things. One, it's an identification with Christ. Two, it's a public identification with the church. You're saying, I'm, I'm one of these people. Mm-hmm. So think of it like a wedding ceremony. Yeah, totally. I'm married to God and his church. I, I, I'm committing to both of these simultaneously. And just so you know, biblically, you cannot commit to Christ and not the church. I mean, the, the, no one, none of the apostles would understand what you're talking about. So in Western Christianity, we, we divorce those two issues. Oh, I'm good with Christ, but not the church. The apostle Paul would go, what? Because it's the same for him. Um, because Paul was killing the church and Jesus said, why, why are you killing me? <laughs> so that's, that's how profound that, that union was mm-hmm. for Paul. So. Hmm. so this next question comes from Jess and this is actually in follow-up to our conversation a couple weeks ago about our core strengths and core struggles and what it means to be real with ourselves. And Jess says, I struggle with laziness with a side of procrastination, she threw in there. Between work and family, I have a hard time doing all I should, including reading my Bible. I recognize this and say that I want to do something about it, but it never lasts more than a few days. It's beyond frustrating and embarrassing. What's my next step? Yeah, that's huge. So, you know, if you're, uh, um, you know, the the nine personality, the uh, peaceful person, you know, disciplines are always going to be a real challenge for you, but it's it's the necessity. So if you remember, laziness is the struggle, the strength that you must pursue is faithfulness. Um, or faith. So, it, and 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 what I meant by that is not simply cognitively believing, but physically practicing, physically being faithful, physically um, doing things that you wouldn't normally do. And so, um, th- the basic thing is just getting into habits, building habits in your life. And it takes you know five or six weeks for something to become a habit. So I would say start doing that. So one of the things you know that I try to do is I try to read my Bible every day. It's a little easier for me because it's my profession, but I confess to you guys today, you know, I, I, my, for whatever reason, the last couple of days, I've struggled with my quiet time. I don't even know where my Bible is. Our house is being repainted. It's been really, really frustrating. Everything's mm-hmm. covered in plastic. And so um, now that doesn't mean I'm not in God's word because I have a sermon to prepare. You know, I actually am preparing for multiple sermons this week, but I don't consider that my quiet time. My time with God right now, I'm in Second uh, Samuel. That That's where I'm at, but I'm not preaching out of that. So, um, you know, that's something that's important for me. So, um, I just would say start slow, and, and the next thing is is you know, you know if you're not in a small group, get in a small group with people who are reading their Bible and read with us as a church. So this week, you know, read the scriptures. It'll be a little easier once we get in Genesis, but jump into Genesis with us and read the stories and and try to come up with some questions for the debrief and just say, hey, you know, in Genesis one, you know, or three or four or whatever chapter it is, I read this, you know. I have a question about it and send it in and, and we'll tackle that question. And so make it an interactive process where we all learn, you know, cause the show is only as good as the questions that sure. are uh, asked. So, uh, you know, I can't answer something that you don't ask. So I, I would just say that. So give yourself time and just know that habits for the nine, the peaceful person are really, really difficult. And, um, you know, you're, you're a nine and you were sharing that, um, it's hard for you to focus sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll get checked out and things. And so I can do that sometimes with reading. I'm a nine with like a one wing though. That's like the perfectionist. So once I get into a, I have to have the thing, I do the thing. Like I'm yeah. a rule follower. So that helps me there some, but yeah, I can tend to get checked out. Like if I stop one of my like rhythms, it's done. So if I'm not reading or if I'm not working out, I've worked out in a couple of weeks because it just, yeah. my routine's changed. And so then yeah. it, it drops off. And so just know this, whenever you start a habit, you need to let go of a habit. So mm-hmm. you can't, so one of the lies we tell ourselves is I can add this. Well, okay, so, so that means something has to be subtracted. And so, you know, this is huge for parents, for married people dating. Um, you know, if you're a single guy and you add a relationship, that means something's got to go. So time with friends, time, you know, something has to give. And so what we do in modern culture is we just keep adding and then we wonder why we have a mental, emotional breakdown because you can't do all those things. And so, you know, my wife always says, I think we should do this. I said, great, what do you want to take away? 
Mm-hmm. She hates that question because my wife is seven who thinks you can do everything. You know, the enthusiastic person, the <laughs> joyful person. I want to go to every party. I want to be everywhere. And I'm like, great, you know, but something has to say no. So when you start a habit, you're going to have to let it go of habit. So to read your Bible every day, maybe that means, you know, you don't listen to your favorite, you know, uh, radio program or you cut a TV show out or you, you have to eliminate something to add something. Um, and, and that's a physical reminder. You're like, oh, I cut this show out and I'm watching the show. Did I have my quiet time with God today? And I just think that's so important. And, um, you know, as somebody who's do, been doing it for years, I'm constantly blown away at how God speaks to me every single day. And I can't tell you how many days where it's like I read something and I'm like, wow, I needed that today. Hmm. And so God's word is the way that I hear from him every day. So remember, prayer is the way God hears from you. God's word is the way you hear from him. So that's the primary way. So it doesn't mean you can't talk other ways. That's the primary way that God speaks to you. That's why you wrote it down. So... Hey, I just was going to share, I struggle with discipline in pretty much all areas. And uh, I downloaded an app for my phone that I use. I just called Productive and it's really simple. Uh, And then I just track, I'm tracking four things that I'm trying to make sure, well, actually two things I want to do every day and two things I don't want to do every single day. And I just get a little alert. So some are in the morning, some are in the evening, and I just get to swipe yes or no. And for me, just the act of writing it down and making a notation and being able to see, hey, I've done this. So I know for a fact that I have read the Bible 31 days in a row. I've not had soda three days in a row. Uh, is helpful in terms of building momentum and it helps you see the past a little bit more differently um, when you label that down. So that's been helpful yeah. for me. And just know some people are, are more disciplined. I mean, I, you know, Stephanie, you have been, how long have you been my assistant? Uh, two, three years. I mean, you know, I do the same things every day. Like I don't, <laughs> my wife drives me crazy. She'll call me and go, what are you doing? I'm like, the same thing I do every Tuesday. Like it's, there's like, like for her, it's every day is different. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, it's a new day. We can, I mean, she could be in Paris or whatever. For <laughs> me, it's, you know, Monday morning, do you know at 730, I'm going to be at the gym and I'm doing mm-hmm. chest chest and, and I mean, and that doesn't change. And when it does, I get a little weird. So uh, I, I like rhythms in my life. I like to know where I'm going. I don't, I don't like new things. And Stephanie knows that when she adds something in my calendar, that's not normally there, it kind of freaks me out a little it bit. It functions yeah. far better when we stick to your routine. Yeah. And, and part of that's just, you know, part of, you know, my ADD and, you know, me compensating for my own personality weaknesses. It, I, it's just become a much more pers- uh, peaceful life for me to live a regimented life. I've found freedom, that sounds contradictory. I have found freedom in restricting the uh, kind of the the freeness of my life. It, it just, it's just very, very yeah, freeing yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I don't have to write a lot of things down because I don't do a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I like my life. I'm, you know, I'm 45 years old. I really, really like my life. I like the things that we do. And, um, you know, every Sunday night, it's family night. That's what we do. I don't That's do awesome. anything else. I'm going to hang out. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. And just, just to give you hope, Pastor Dan Crowley, he's a number nine, isn't he? Yeah. He's a type. So his course in would be laziness. And I think he's one of the, in, in the most spiritually disciplined people that I know, you mm-hmm. know, and you can always, when you have conversations, he'll always end up sharing something from his recent journaling or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of, I think the, the strength there is self-control or something mm-hmm. like that. So he's very spiritually disciplined. So it is possible uh, for you to move in that direction, but baby steps is a, is a great way to do it. All right, we've got one last question. This one comes in from Alexis. It says, with everything going on in the world and with the Women's March being heavily focused on wanting the right to abortion, I was wondering why we don't, as a church, talk more about being pro-life. I'm far from being experienced enough to even try and reason with people who support pro-choice, but I would love if there was a way for us to help people be more educated on the matter. So there's a lot in that. Yeah, that's a huge question. And just know, you know, abortion is something that's very, very sensitive to me. Um, you know, I, I was uh, born into a, uh, a, a, a feminist family. My mom's a feminist. I mean, she was headed to Cal Berkeley in the 60s. You know, she wanted to be a part of that whole, you know, burn your bra thing, and, um, but had a World War II dad who put the brakes on that. So, <laughs> um, you know, my mom, uh, when she got pregnant with me, you know, um, abortion was something that she considered. And, um, you know, she was in a, in, a, in a difficult situation in her relationship and, you know, it was an option that she chose. And I just remember when she shared that with me, it was just very, very painful. You know, you think about the fact that, you know, I could have been killed potentially by my own mom. And I, and I just want to emphasize that this just, and I'm praise God that she didn't, that she chose life. Um, you know, but abortion is uh, just one of those issues that I, I feel like has, like so many issues is politicized in our culture. And so instead of asking, um, you know, what is the right thing to do we, we talk about rights. And so rights are, are a very, very dangerous thing. And so 
Um, you know, it's just, it's just one, it's just one of those awful things. And so why don't I talk about it? Because, um, I, I believe the gospel is offensive enough. It is totally offensive. I mean, I stand up there each and every week and I call people sinners. I do because they are. And so if I have to choose between me personally offending people and Jesus offending people, I want Jesus to offend because I think that um, he has that right. He's my Lord and he's my savior and he gets to be offensive. Uh, I don't want to be offensive. Now, some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm offended by what you say all the time. Well, you're, too, you're super sensitive. I'm trying not to, try not to do that. But um, my prayer is for, you know, the feminist woman who believes in an abortions on demand and all of these things that when they come to our church, that they would find a loving environment where we could begin to uh, encourage them to keep coming and that over time, uh, they would listen to what we have to say because part of the problem in our political climate right now is, for example, you know, on any issue, like, so let's say a, a gay person finds out that Sandals Church does not believe in gay marriage, we don't perform, they're never gonna come to our church. I would much rather have them come, feel loved, have a great experience, uh, fall in love with Jesus, get curious about Jesus, then we can have a conversation about, you know, our stance on homosexuality. But if we hit them at the front door with that, they're never going to talk. They're, ne right. they're never going to be a part of that. And so the same thing is true about issues like abortion is, you know, I, I think that it, it turns away more people than you will bring in. I think most people fundamentally know that taking the life of an unborn child is not a good thing. Now, they might not be able to articulate the words murder or killing, but I think if you're honest with yourself, you know that it's not a good thing. And I think that we can maneuver people from that point to understanding, look, we believe that life is a precious thing. Life is something that is to be protected. Um, and, and we wanna do that. Um, but having said that, you know, we don't want that to become our anthem. We don't want to, um, you know, I don't know, get on this moral high ground and make everybody feel like crap because of this issue that's been legal now in this country for, I don't know, 1970. Uh, 44 years or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so here's the good news is, uh, you know, the amount of abortions are going down every single year. I think that's a good thing. We need to rejoice in that. I don't know if this is factually true, but I've been told and I haven't done the research that there's actually less abortions now that it's legal than when it was illegal. So I, I don't know how on earth you calculate that. People say things, people use the word statistics when they, whenever they want to. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, that has not been proven in my mind. So I say that very, very loosely. Um, you know, it just, so just know this, I, I, there are many, many issues. So, you know, last week people said, well, why don't you speak about, you know, the refugees coming out there, there are going to be political issues on the left and the right that I choose not to address because instantaneously they're dividing issues. And what I've got to do is I've got to figure out a way, how do I approach the sinner in such a way where they can hear the gospel in the best possible position in their life. And that's my heart. Now, some other pastors will say, oh, well, you're compromising. You're this, and guess what? Their church is 50 people and they're gonna preach their conviction to the same 50 people who don't need to be saved mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. Well, I don't wanna be in that church. I wanna be in the church where people are being saved and we're reaching lost people, not found people, lost people. And in order to do that, my goal each and every week is come back, come back. And I, and I, and I think, right, the proof is in the pudding. We started with three people. You know, we're running over 8,000 now on a weekend, on a, on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. That's that's a big deal. Yeah. And, and I don't think I've compromised anything. I think I'm using a thing called strategy, which Jesus said. Remember when we studied Luke, he said, the people of this world are wiser than religious people. Because here's what religious people think. They stupidly think God's going to bail them out regardless of how dumb they are. Mm -hmm. That's not true. You don't get to be an idiot. You know, we just talked about Constantinople being the center of Christianity. You want to know why it's not? Because they didn't buy the canon. Hey, knuckleheads, mm -hmm. buy the canon. The sheik did. Mm -hmm. So guess what? No more center of Christianity. It doesn't matter. And what they believed in their heart is they believed God would save them, that it would never happen. They would never fall. They're a bunch of idiots. And that's, they, they lost everything and people were enslaved. And if you, you, know, you listen to all those old chants, you know, the, oh, oh, the mm -hmm. Gregorian chants, half those chants, you know what they're singing about? They're bemoaning the loss of Constantinople. Mm -hmm. They can't believe it happened. They're lamenting. Those, that's why those songs sound like torture because they are, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. And that's what they're singing about is the beautiful capital, the Hagia Sophia, you know, the center of Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's now a mosque. Mm -hmm. What happened? Be smart, buy the cannon. <laughs> you know, that's great. <laughs> it's great you have a wall by the dumb cannon so you can protect yourself. And they didn't do it and they lost and they were conquered. And, 
you know, we, we've got to be smart. We've got to be strategic. And I would say that's the number one thing that I see in the church is Christians don't employ strategy. What is your strategy? Uh, and, and Christians say stupid things. Well, the word of God will not return null and void. Well, I see it do that all the time. All the time. S- someone's preaching. You got some idiot yelling on a soapbox. It's returning null and void because the guy's strategy is stupid and God is not blessing it. And so you have to be very, very careful. Know your audience. Know who you're talking to. And every single week, have a strategy. So like when, when I was at CBU last week, mm-hmm. my strategy is not to browbeat college students into, hey, I'm this high and mighty moral guy and here's the line and you need to all submit it to. My strategy is to ask this question, is there a line? Is there a line? Mm -hmm. And guess what? Some of them are gonna say, no. Mm -hmm. So then I'm gonna tell a Bible story about a guy who thought there were no lines. And guess what? Everybody, when they're honest, thinks there's lines. Here's the problem. We all draw them differently. Mm -hmm. So the rapist draws a different line than the person who's raped. They have different lines. And so what that shows you is that as human beings, we don't do such a great job in drawing lines when our desires are involved. Mm -hmm. So that's why we need God because his desires are involved in love. Our desires are involved for desires. And James says, right, why, why do you fight and quarrel? Why, 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 is, why does your life suck? This is what James says. You know what he says the answer is? Your desires. Mm-hmm. Your desires are what's destroying your friendships and your relationships. And people are like, I don't know why God's doing, God's not, your desires are running full scale. This is why this is happening. So back to the abortion issue, you know, to be fundamentally clear, abortion is wrong. It should not happen. However, there are many, many women uh, in our church who've had abortions and they are scarred for life. They've been lied to. They've been told it won't affect them. It won't make a difference. And, and let me tell you something. I, I have prayed with women who had abortions 40 and 50 years ago. And every single year when that birthday rolls around, they have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Every single year because it's not just tissue. And, and, and a mom knows that. And so if you've had an abortion, let me just say this, God loves you, uh, God can forgive you. God forgave the apostle Paul who killed Christians and God can forgive you uh, for what you've done in that context. Um, you know, there is grace for you. And I know you feel like, you know, maybe you don't deserve it, but that's why there's a bloody horrendous cross 2000 years ago, because none of us deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we all need that. So um, instead of, you know, maybe being anti-abortion, they should get involved with your sister-in-law. She runs yeah. a great um, Yeah, Riverside Life Service is a crisis pregnancy center in the city of Riverside here that we've got a great relationship with here at Sandals. So yeah, if you are interested, Sandals, we've got an awesome relationship there. Um, I know that we support them financially as well as a lot of people from our church volunteer there and participate doing things like counseling and everything from, uh, you know, even you know, sorting through donations of baby clothes and things like yeah. that, or even just donating. That's one of the things mm-hmm. my wife and I do when our kids outgrow it. We send it to Riverside Life Services so that there's a library of kids' clothes there available to moms who want to make the right choice. But, finan- you know, the financial pressures of raising a kid are scary for them. So, Well, not only that, but nowadays, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, young women, um, teenagers, you know, they're being told their life is over. Mm-hmm. They're being told there's there's no hope. You're going to be, you know, and there's statistical evidence that bears that out, you know. So a woman who has a child before a certain age without a father in the home, I mean, the statistics say, and I have looked these up, they're going to be poor, they're going to struggle, it's right. going to be difficult. So having said that, you know, there are many, many options. There's so many families in our church that would love a little baby. And and here's here here's how you stop the power of sin. You know, the response to sin should never be sin. So yeah, okay, so you sinned, you blew it, you, you know, you, you have an unwanted pregnancy, but God wants that baby. Mm-hmm. So let's let's solve this sin issue with good mm-hmm. and let's do something good and let's figure out a way to save this baby's life. And, you know, we have a staff member uh, at church who just adopted a baby that was up for uh, an abortion. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I never forget when they, when they brought their baby to church on the first weekend, you know, this mom is holding this little baby. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget her words. She said, can you believe that they were going to kill this? Mm-hmm. And, and he was just so incredibly beautiful. And we just held him and it was, it was a really powerful moment. Mm-hmm. So um, God can bring something good out of a very, very stressful situation. That's what Romans eight twenty eight says, for God can work all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so, you know, my heart goes out to women who find themselves in a very, very, tough situation. Um, I can't imagine 
what that would be like. I'm not a woman. I don't pretend to be. Um, I know that God loves you. God has a plan for you. Um, you know, we're not here to judge you. We are here to try to help you make the best decision possible. And my prayer, um, you know, for any mom who might ever be um, listening is, you don't know, that baby inside you might be the next Matt Brown. And I'm so grateful and so appreciative that my mom chose um, life because if she didn't, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast right, right. now. Totally. This this would not be happening. And, um, you know, my generation um, is the most aborted generation in history. Hmm. So my generation, you know, Generation X is the smallest generation in the history of the United States in terms of population because 30 million of us were aborted. And mm -hmm. that's the reality. And that's heavy, mm -hmm. awful, and ugly. And, um, you know, which is interesting because one of, nobody says this in a political campaign, it never comes up, but one of the big problems with boomers retiring is there's not enough workers to mm -hmm. support them in retirement. Well, do you want to know why that is? Mm -hmm. Because they chose themselves as a generation in life. And now there's not enough of my generation to support them as they age. And nobody ever brings that up, but it's huge, huge problem. And um, it's just it's just a reality. When, when you take that many children, it's going to have an impact. And so, um, you know, and again, let me say this, if you're a, a feminist or a liberal, I'm not here to take away uh, a woman's right to choose. I am here to help her make the best choice she possibly can. That's my heart. That's my desire. And I think if you're truly, you know, um, a woman who wants to be about women's rights, you know, in those women's marches, you need to know this, that women's groups that are pro-life were banned from participating in those events. So, that's unfortunate. And that's, I think that's wrong because I think all women should have been able to be included in those events and to participate in that because, you know, diversity includes people who disagree with you. And that's one of the things that I think we all need to deal with is that's what you get when you have diversity. You have people that don't agree. And um, I, I, I'm just really, really bummed about our current culture and the way that we're moving. And, um, you know, I think many of my brothers and sisters on the left have become the new religious right. And it concerns me for them because I didn't think the religious right was right. And I don't think uh, much of the liberal left is right either because they've become what they came out to dispel. And, and we got to be careful about that. I was a uh, political science major and I'll never forget these words. Um, uh, it was written by Jean-Paul Sartre, who was an ex existentialist philosopher. And this is what he noticed about movements. Um, I'm going to try to quote it right. I've been, it's been 25 years since I was in college. <laughs> But what he said was, any institution, regardless of its in, wait, let me start over. Any institution, regardless of its intention and/or purpose, will in the end serve itself. <laughs> and so, what he means by that is, it doesn't matter how excited you are at the beginning. At the end, if you're not careful, you're going to change. Mm -hmm. And so, what that means is, if you're the ACLU and you start off to be about civil liberties, in the end, guess what you're trying to do? Raise money. So we have to be careful as a church. We start off right, wanting people to be real. We got to be careful that in the end, we don't just become about paying our bills, keeping the lights on, making mm -hmm. salaries, right? So that's what organizations do is they serve themselves. And, um, you know, that's been, you know, a huge issue. We had that uh, real conversation about race. Most police stations, you know, LAPD, I think about what it says, it says to protect and serve. Well, if they're not careful, that organization that was meant to protect people can ultimately become an organization that protects themselves and serves themselves. So we all have to fight that. And I love police. I love our police workers. And I appreciate that. We all need to be aware of that. So anyways, that was enough, a little political rant there. But, you know, um, th that's why I choose not to deal with those issues because I don't want to run people out the door before I start talking. I, right. That is stupid. And so what, what Christians think is you're making a stand. No, what, what you're doing is you're driving people out. Why would you do that? If people have, if people have taken the risk to, and blessed me by their presence. That's what they're doing. They're blessing me by their presence. They've taken off their Saturday, their Sunday. They're sitting down. They're coming to hear me talk about God. Why do I want to run them out the door the first five minutes that I talk? Because I just feel like I need to say something. And that's stupid because then what I'm doing is I'm preaching to the choir who already believes. Mm -hmm. Then what are we doing? I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. I'm so frustrated with, you know, so much of what happens in the church because, you know, um, you know, and even other churches now that criticize Sandals, you know, oh, Sandals is compromising. No, we're trying to reach people, man. Mm -hmm. Why don't you start? Mm -hmm. Instead of recruiting people from our church, why don't you recruit lost people <laughs> and, and try to evangelize them? Because you know what? It's really easy to lead the people to Christ that already believe. That's totally. a pretty easy group. But, 
you know, start ministering to Hindus and atheists and people that are not in church and are not religious and have no idea, you have to change the way you talk. And so I'm going to guess at CBU last week, there were probably some, you know, theology students and professor students that just felt like, man, I really missed an opportunity to just cram people over the head. Well, you know what? I'm not trying to reach them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to reach the kid that's confused mm-hmm. and didn't grow up in the church and has no idea, mm-hmm. you know, has never, ever thought about, you know, the Bible says, take every thought captive. Now we always use that for porn. It has nothing to do with porn or <laughs> lust. What that verse has to do with is Christianity should be able to dissect and take down every argument with reason and intellect. That's why Christians started universities and schools, because we believed that God is on the side of thinking and we need to think and we need to take that apart. And so I can introduce people into thinking. And I believe in the end, if they're reasonable and they're fair and objective, I believe they're going to agree with God because he's on the side of truth. So I need to disarm them in such a way to get them to think, is there a sexual line? Because culture says no, Mm -hmm. do whatever you want. Well, how's that working? Not real well. Mm -hmm. So, wow, that was a long answer. Well, man, I really liked it. And listen, if you're somebody that's listening to the show and you like anti-abortion is your issue, and maybe you're feeling frustrated with Pastor Matt or whatever. Listen, this is one of the most you know near and dearest issues to my wife and I's heart. Our family is structured around doing things we can to support women in crisis pregnancy. Um, I just want you to know the things that Pastor Matt has saying. I support it because I've seen it work, man. I get to be a part of phone calls where people are a part of our church and they're trying to figure out how to make these decisions. Um, because and they're open to making a decision to choose life for a baby even at their own inconvenience or perceived inconvenience or whatever, because they're starting to see and trust and know that God has a bigger picture and a plan for them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a beauty that comes out of this. So I just want you to know, like, I get you. Like, this is our, a thing for my family too, but we've seen something just really beautiful here at Sandals. So Yeah, and don't fall into the trap that God wants you to make a stand. Mm-hmm. God wants you to make a difference. Oh man! Mm-hmm. And so you know um, that gives me chills. That was pretty good. I need to tweet that. <laughs> you know, but that's what Christians think. Well, I just need to make that's a true. stand. Why? So you alone can go to heaven. God wants me to make a difference so somebody else can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, I think Satan wants us to burn bridges. God wants us to make them. And so we have to make these bridges so we can connect with people and bring them in and be reasonable. Um, because what what non Christians have heard about evangelicals, right? I remember there was a gay pastor in town uh, here in our local town, and I tried to meet with her for months. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't return my calls. She wouldn't meet with me. She wanted nothing to do with me. And you know why it was? Because she had all these preconceived notions of what a, an ordained Baptist minister is like. And finally, I just asked, why are, why are you dodging me? And, and you know what it was? is because she, she thought I wanted to make a stand about her and publicly shame her and embarrass her. I said, I'm just here to try to love you and understand you. You know, we're, we're both shepherds of our flocks. You know, hopefully you, you, you like me want to lead people to heaven. And I just want to have a conversation about how you came to the conclusions that you, you came to, because I've come to opposite conclusions based upon the same text. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, you know, she still didn't want to have a relationship with me, but, you know, um, it, at least we had coffee and, mm-hmm. and we got to talk. And, um, you know, I mean, Jesus is so, right, he's so amazing in... Um, John chapter eight, when he, the woman is caught in the act of adultery, he says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And so everybody focuses on that. But then what does he say? Go and leave your life of sin. He hugs her. Then he tells her the truth. So before, before I can ever tell somebody the truth, I got to hug them. Mm-hmm. They got to know I love them. Mm-hmm. They got to know I'm on their side. Jesus is not there to kill her. He's there to save her. And so I, I think our strategy needs to be hug first, then punch. Mm-hmm. But if you punch first, man, I don't care what you have to say. You know, you're a jerk. I don't want to hug you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so anyways, guys, I, I know that for a lot of our conservative audience, um, this is going to be challenging. But know that I love you and just know that you and I agree on probably a whole lot. Where we don't agree on is the strategy. And here's what I would encourage you to do is look at the results. Mm-hmm. Look at the results and just know that there are thousands of people at Sandals Church who would not be saved if we didn't do the things the way we do. Because there's a ton of fundamentalist conservative churches and the only reason they're baptizing is because people are having babies. That's it. That is it. And yeah. it's sad. And, and the vast majority of churches, listen to me, the vast majority of churches don't baptize one person in a calendar year. You know what that means? What you're doing ain't working. Mm-hmm. It's not working. 
So change it, you know, change it. And um, I, I just believe God wants to save so many people and God wants to make such a difference in people's lives. It's about how we do it. And, and I, I believe me, I, I'm, I have done it wrong many, many times. And um, I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit and for Stephanie and my <laughs> wife. And Elena is on the team now to help me not say stupid things. So, you know, I have a full-time staff that helps me not put both feet in my mouth. So uh, I'm grateful to them. So love you guys. Hey, so listen, if you want to um, make a difference, not just make a stand on this issue, and just send me an email, prd at sandalschurch.com, and I'll personally help you get connected to uh, the teams here at Sandals Church and even Riverside Life Services or a Crisis Pregnancy Center closer to where you live. I'll personally help you do that through the church. If you are someone who is maybe, you know, have a lot of feelings right now because of a, an abortion in your past, whether you're a woman or a man, um, Man, we would love to pray with you. We'd love to get you connected to support, especially if you're not part of a community group. And uh, I, I'm thinking here, probably the best way to do that would be for you to come forward for prayer at mm -hmm. the end of service at any one of our locations and take a step and be bold and say, hey, you know, I heard about this on the debrief and it really impacted me and I just need to pray about this. And uh, through that, we can get you connected to some support here. Uh, that would be awesome. And then lastly, if you know somebody who, like Pastor Matt talked about, you know, we can help facilitate adoptions and things like that. Mm -hmm. If you know somebody who is in a situation like this through some kind of crisis pregnancy, reach out to the church, man. Give us a call and uh, let us know. And there are lots of families here at Sandals Church who would uh, happily adopt a baby to oh, man, give them a absolutely. chance to live. So, there are people at our church who are praying yep. for mm -hmm. a baby. And uh, your your challenge, um, your unwanted pregnancy may be the answer to their prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say too, like, I remember even in like college group and stuff, like we want to come alongside moms too. Yes. Like I remember being in college group, a girl joined a, the small group I was in for her very first time coming to a group, had barely started coming to church, had to tell a group of Christian girls, oh yeah, by the way, I'm pregnant. And I remember that group of girls came around her. Like I remember we had her baby shower at our house. Mm -hmm. Like, and those girls came and like babysat the baby when she first had her. Like there are people here who would love to come alongside you as a brand new mom, as you're going through pregnancy. Totally. Like. I know there are people here who would love to love you, not only to adopt a child if you're not ready for that, but also to come alongside you through your pregnancy, have a baby shower, be with you, give mm -hmm. you jackets when that doesn't fit anymore, all kinds yep. of stuff. Mm. Totally. Awesome. Man, that's good stuff. What a, We had a lot of off-topic or follow-up questions. It was good to get through those. We'll be back. Oh, actually, next episode is going to be a very special episode. We're not going to be back to debriefing yet. Next episode, episode 53, is going to be dropping on February 14th, which for the guys, uh, that's actually Valentine's Day, which is a holiday you should celebrate if there's a special woman in your life. Just uh, giving you a heads up. Pro tip here. You got a week to- We're on uh, your team too, guys. Yeah, pull some plants <laughs> together. Uh, so that is Valentine's Day, and we are super excited about that. We are going to have none other than Mrs. Tammy Brown joining us as a special guest. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be a special Valentine's episode, so we're very excited about that. That's right. The we're TLB. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we're going to be asking all kinds of questions about the story of Matt and Tammy, so exactly. That's excited be for that. A good one. A good one. So we're going to talk about real love. See, I was trying mm -hmm. to connect our vision of real and the love that you two share there. Yes. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Well, hey, if you want to uh, dig deeper into the show notes or whatever, uh, follow up with any of these questions or share this episode, find the video, all that stuff, you can do it online at debrief.show slash 52. That's right. And if you want to find us on social media, we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Debrief So show. many social places. That's right. We also have a YouTube channel now, so look out for that too. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That yes. way you can get these videos as soon as they are up and share all kinds of fun YouTube comments and whatnot. Just a friendly smile to those of you guys watching on video. Yeah. Hello. We're this so is a glad. special way for those of you who have subscribed. <laughs> we see you. Okay. And listen, if you want to support Sandals Church and the cool things that God is doing here, we would be so grateful for that. One of the best things that you can do is even just donate a dollar per episode here. Uh, if you'd be willing to do that, we would be uh, super grateful for that. You can do that simply by texting Give Debrief. That's two words, Give Debrief to 951-900-4120. Uh, especially for those of you guys who are uh, big fans of the show, listen, but are not a part of Sandals Church, we would love if you'd be willing to support uh, the church and what God's doing here so we can continue to bring this show to you and uh, continue to make it better. And then maybe even some more shows and stuff like that in the future and more locations all over the place. So you can support us by texting Give Debrief to 951-900-4120. All right, let's get out of here, guys. But before we do, Stephanie, I want to make sure that we are making time for learning some Christianese. Ooh. Learning Christianese, I think I'm learning Christianese. I really think so. Learning Christianese, I think I'm learning Christianese, I really think so. All right, Pastor Matt, what do Christians mean when they say what favor? 
Like I'm praying favor. for favor in this, or I'm just really experiencing God's favor. Right wow, now. that's great, man. Yeah, <laughs> favor means uh, they want to get what they want. That's what it means. <laughs> so fa- favor, favor is a spiritual way that you say, "I hope it's Christmas." That's I hope what God picks me. <laughs> yeah, I just really want some favor in this job or favor with this girl. I just like it means I I, I want it to go my way. Uh, I want God's blessings to rain down on my request. Who does not want that? Who <laughs> does not down. want that? Yeah. I think you just answer Christianese with Christianese. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. 